All right, hey, what's going on, everyone? It's me, Mr. Mario, and uh, who do I have here with me today? Back again. It's Devin here. What's up going on? Or what's up going on? What's going on, guys? What's up? How's it going? <laughs> it's been a long day. I hope you're all having a, a good one out there. Yes, yes, I am, at least. How about yourself, Devin? Uh, you know, more or less good. You know, happy to be on the podcast. It's definitely a highlight of my night, so glad Absolutely. to be here. It is, it is the first podcast of the year and the first podcast, of course, of January. So uh, happy 2018 to you, Devin, and to everyone else. Yeah, likewise. This is going to be a good one, and it's starting out pretty juicy. Yes, I was. Uh, I'm happy that we're finally doing it now because we we've, we've had to delay it and push back a couple of times. And people might be noticing if you're watching this, like right when it comes out, that we're doing this on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. Do do, do we want to get into an explanation for a few minutes before we uh, we dig into the topic here? Much uh, of an explanation, honestly. Well, for <laughs> starters, we did have this scheduled for last week, so um, that was not really my fault, but kind of. I got really sick. Um, I had strep throat. My throat was killing me. I could hardly talk or I just really didn't want to. So uh, we decided to push it back a week. And then I had some scheduling conflicts that I had forgotten about because I was not planning on doing it that week, this week. Um, so things are weird. It's a Tuesday, not the norm, but um, we're ready to make it happen, I think. Yes. Yeah, no, I know. Did you... Um, did you recover well enough from that? Because I remember, so it was like, literally, was it Monday? Because we, we had the schedule for last Wednesday, and then I think Monday we hung out, right? Yes. Yep, yeah. it was on a Monday. He, he had this burger that completely wrecked him, and he was telling me about what was going on. I was like, did the burger, like, really do all of that? Yeah, no, it, it was really, it was something else. So, uh, for the record, we were at this uh, kind of, like, burger joint, sports bar kind of thing. Uh, just having a meal. It's real close to uh, where we are. Um, and I had seen this burger on the menu the last time I was there that had ghost pepper sauce mixed with habanero and some other stuff. And I like spicy foods. So I thought, you know what? I looked at this last time, didn't get it. We're going to try this out. Get this burger. I think it was maybe an hour after we left, maybe like, or maybe less than that, maybe an hour and a half after I actually ate the burger is when I was with you and I was like, oh man, <laughs> my not feeling good. <laughs> I mean, it was not, uh, not the norm for spicy food, but I'm pretty sure it was just like an hour and a half after we left there. It acted quickly. I remember we went from this whole thing of, oh, hey, this is pretty great, and it's spiced really well, to this is kind of painful, to, okay, you know what, I would recommend this if you prepare for it, and you have, like, a day available, and then, like, near the end, you're just like, no, I would absolutely never recommend this to anyone, ever. Yeah, no, that's actually accurate. I did get kind of excited, because <laughs> I was like, oh, I've got some, I've got some friends that would love this burger, I'm gonna recommend this, this is awesome. Started out really good. But, uh, yeah, <clears throat> the next morning was not a lot better, and in fact, it was a lot worse. And I had all kinds of stomach pain. Um, it was wild, and basically by the time the stomach pain subsided in the middle of the day, I started feeling achy. Then the fever hit quickly after, and by 4 p.m., I had a massive sore throat that lasted four or five days, really, mixed with fevers and whatnot. 
So yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy you're here and I'm happy you're alive and that we're able to do this. So here's a 2018 starting out strong. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, I better be strong now. I surely have like <laughs> built up. Oh boy. Anyways, uh, you want to get into the first topic here? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm definitely pumped for this week. This is this, this is going to be a big one. This is going to be oh. a big one. I'll uh, I'll let you intro this here. Oh man. Well, I think I've mentioned this before. Uh, on the podcast, but I started uh, kind of my whole modding journey with uh, Team Executor's uh, dashboard for the original Xbox. That console was the first console I ever modded, so it definitely holds a you know a bit of nostalgia in my uh, modding history. And when I saw that Team Executor was making a mod chip for the Switch and had a video to go along with it, I was pumped man this just brought back memories and i just am super psyched about it looks like you pulled up the uh web page here i did i did this is officially from team executor so uh of course you know they have the video right here showing that this is the system uh booting up instead of the nintendo logo it's the executor logo so they were able to capture that on cold boot right there which is always a good sign to any type of hacks or modifications or whatever we're going to do they also say down here for all the non-believers and technically capable people try using the following key to decrypt stage two of the bootloader firmware's 1.0.0 up until 2.3.0 and that has been confirmed separately by many notable uh current switch modders and hackers that this key is valid yeah, um, it's definitely crazy good signs for just, you know, not just the team executor and their mod chip, but just the, you know, community in general, because surely they're not going to be the only ones getting a hold of some of this technology. I'm sure from here on out, it's just going to be amazing how quick the scene develops. And it really blows my mind because, you know, you look back at like the 3DS and even, you know, some of the more recent uh, consoles from Sony and uh, Microsoft, we haven't seen anything this quick, this intense. <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Now, this was also at first it was said because we're I, I we don't have any insider information by any means. We're just going what's been publicly released by by Executor, and all we know is that there is supposed to be some that's going to come out, you know, later this year, perhaps in a few months. Uh, and we know that it is a mod chip, as you mentioned, that has been officially said. And right here it says, for now, I can tell you there is a solder and solderless version. We have quite a lot in the works. You will have more info soon. Yeah, which is really interesting. Um, you know, I think we discussed this a little bit, but I was kind of impressed, I guess, that they would have the solderless ready out the gate um, if they had a solder version. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how both of those work, what the ups and downs are, and even the cost. But, uh, I mean, it's just it's wild. Absolutely. Um, now... I know you have, um, I, we, we discussed this a little bit, but uh, back in the day with Xbox mods, at least, you had worked with a solderless mod chip before, right? Well, not me, technically. My father did. He uh, bought the mod chip. This was kind of like before my first foray into modding. Um, we heard a lot about this. My dad ended up buying this mod chip, and something went wrong with flashing the firmware. Ended up frying the mod chip and the Xbox, if I remember right. <laughs> It was kind of rough, but it was a solderless one. And as far as I know, the installation was dead simple. Uh, we were able to get to the uh, the firmware screen, like we, you know, it was displayed on the Xbox. And I haven't had experience with the Xbox mod chip since then, so 
you know, um, it's hard for me to describe exactly what that was like, but uh, if anyone has had experience with it, then I'm sure they, they know, but we got it to work on the Xbox. We just, something went wrong with flashing the firmware. Right, right. And that that can happen, unfortunately. Um, I know with this, uh, the reason why I brought this up is because uh, back in the sixth generation of consoles, uh, PS2 and Xbox, I'm mainly thinking of. I know for Xbox specifically, when Team Executor was working on that, they did have a few iterations of solderless mod chips, and some other competitors did as well, too. And for the PS2, there was also, I think, like the DMS4 Pro Easy or something like that was a solderless chip. The reason why I'm really harping on this a lot is I'm I'm gonna tell you all if if you all do want to get a solderless chip, I recommend getting it sooner rather than later because most of the time, like oh, those things are nearly impossible to find now. Um, it, it, you you you're always able to you know solder a chip in with no issue as long as you have the proper skills on that. Uh, Team Executor not only what they do is they release a lot of iterations and discontinue products kind of fast. Uh, try and look for genuine. Xbox 360 Team Executor products older than the CR4, you're really not going to find them. Uh, legitimate Xbox, like original Xbox chips, you're not going to find those either, but especially the solderless ones, you're really not going to get a hold of that. Those, and that's because they're more specialized, they're going to cost more to produce, they're going to be harder to produce, and they're also going to cost more when uh, people are trying to buy them. So if you want to buy one, I'd recommend getting one sooner rather than later. I, I'm almost going to get one for a collector's sake, just so like 10 years from now, I don't have to go and try and hunt around for one. Because trust me, I've tried hunting for Sodos chips for the original Xbox, just for the sake of having one. They're near impossible to find now. Yeah, uh, I really hope they're not too expensive because I would love to nap a few of these, both soldered and solderless. Um, I'm not even sure if I'm going to be putting one in my system. Um, maybe if I <laughs> get some extra cash somewhere, maybe some of my cryptocurrency portfolios will explode and I can afford a couple extra switches. But until then, um, I'm probably actually going to hold off on installing one of these right now. I do have a second switch on hand, so I definitely want to try this. And from what we know, they say uh, this is supposed to work on all switch revisions, all firmwares. That That's what we know from them so far. Like right now, the current switch stuff uh, that's public, it's 3.0.0 and below firmware. Uh, but no, we'll, we'll see what happens with this. I'm excited to see what's going on. It's at least, you know, a, a really big development here. Yeah, and kind of a side note, but I think this also is very reflective of the success of the Switches, you know, just general sales. Um, if the Switch wasn't selling so well, if the, it wasn't so uh, successful as a console, I don't think we would be seeing this kind of development. Um, again, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Nintendo is definitely the best in terms of security on their consoles. Perhaps they're the worst. I'm not going to, you know, go on the record and say either way. But the fact that we have this kind of development surely is reflective of the good sales and the good press and just the general excitement around the console. Now, I know that other consoles, for example, the PS4 has sold incredibly well, and that's been jailbroken, so to speak. The only thing is you really need... There's been more secrecy with that scene, and you need older firmwares. Uh, but even so, on that, uh, we haven't seen... I guess there's things that are released at this point now, uh, but we haven't seen things come out as fast as with this. Now, do you believe that... Part of this is because, like, as we had talked about offline, at least, uh, the develop, like, the is it the Tegra chip that's in the Switch has been just really well documented and has been out there in the public for a while? Yeah, it has. Um, it's been, I think, this crazy storm of several things all coming.
coming together to just make the Switch an extremely appealing console to hack. We do have the documentation for the Tegra X1 chip, I believe it's called, um, which was in the Invis NVIDIA Shield tablet. Um, this is a well-documented chip. It's got there's debugging hardware already out there. I mean, we're using existing technology here, and that uh, was just really useful for developers and hackers getting in there, um, so much so that some of the exploits that they used, I believe what was behind SM hacks, was literally documented. Mm -hmm. And Nintendo had not closed this, uh, you know, boot flag, if you will, something along those lines. And so it was kind of in plain text right there. Use this flag, and you have access to the kernel or the memory. Um, I mean, they also shipped to that so, really old WebKit as well, too, and had that hidden browser that they didn't think yeah. anyone would find. Which is like, what what have your last two consoles been exploited via the, the the browser? Would you think to at least exclude that or patch it somehow prior to launching your system? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. We've talked about this before as well, but just with the history of the 3DS and how many exploits were you know, through the web browser uh, and just documented WebKit exploits that had already been patched. So that was obviously not a good look for them, didn't really help them out any. And I also think, uh, I, I really wonder if there is something about the portable aspect of the console and being such a powerful console and so portable, if that's not drawing people in as well. Because um, I think it makes it easy to develop on because you're not like working with this console, this massive piece of hardware that you have to have plugged into your TV or a you know a small monitor, you can just work right on the um, the switch or plug it into an external monitor if you need to. Um, so I think it's probably just even as a console as the form factor uh, that it is is just easy to work with. Yeah. I mean, who no, want, but, who but, wants but, something that powerful that is like exploited and you know running whatever you want in your pocket? That sounds yeah. amazing. I, I think interest-wise, that's where it lies, but also exploit-wise, you know, research purposes and everything. A lot of it has also had to do with them using those off-the-shelf parts that have been pretty well documented at this point. Yeah, and it's not new to Nintendo, right? They've always used kind of older hardware, um, cheaper hardware that's readily available. Um, I mean, even going back to like the NES, the original Game Boy they were using, and even the N64, old, old chips that, you know, Nintendo, well, I, Nintendo, Sony or Microsoft would I, I almost want to correct you on that. Like the N64 and those systems, didn't they use more customized hardware and all that? They didn't use just like off-the-shelf parts? I know that I was believe, something Sega kind of more did. I believe the N64 was, I don't think it was proprietary. I could be wrong, but I don't believe it was proprietary. I believe it was just a very uncommonly used chip architecture um, that was old and cheap. Interesting. Uh, now, I haven't done any... Feel free. I haven't done any, you know, major exploitation or anything else on the system, like any reversing. So I don't know 100% on my end. I just know it was more of a nightmare to, for people to develop for because of the architecture of the system. Right. And if someone in the chat, you know, might know better, um, please let us know. I'll, I'll definitely look into it. I'm very curious about that kind of thing. I haven't looked into it intensively. That's just kind of what I've gathered in passing. So um Either way, they don't really, I mean, these days, I believe both Microsoft and Sony are using like modern x86 chips, right? Yes, they are. x86 architecture at this point. So, um, yeah. Nintendo went with something that has been around for a few years. I mean, the NVIDIA Shield tablet is not new. Um, so I'm sure it was cheap, but it kind of uh, came back around to bite them this time. 
Yeah. Well, also, we'll see as I think if it's controlled to some degree, it's going to be OK, like really uh, with people who are modding their systems and all that. Let's be honest, it's also going to be a minority amount of people that are doing that. If it's something like, for example, the DS where piracy was incredibly rampant on there and super easy and it was hurting sales on it, like software sales uh, or even like the Dreamcast or I even feel like the 3DS, you know, was affected with that as well, too, uh, then. We'll, we'll see what happens. But even so, those systems were still successful. It was just, I think Nintendo's most piracy-prone system was the DS, which is why they were really trying to crack down on flashcards for a while on that. Yeah, the DS was busted wide open, but, you know, um, firmware updates probably would have helped with that, too. So that was a good start. But when you do firmware updates, you should probably update things like WebKit along with it. Do you remember, um, I was thinking on the DS, I'm going on a slight tangent here, but I know the DSi could be updated, but the DS, do you ever see uh, any info about flashy custom firmware to it? No, not really. So uh, it, it's beyond useless now, but this is at the time when you could do stuff with like crazy slot one, slot two cards and all this. You could flash a custom firmware to your DS Lite, and essentially the way you had to do it was you had to find a way to load up this homebrew, and then when it would load up, it would say, okay, waiting to flash now. And you had to take a toothpick and then cover it in aluminum foil and unscrew the back of the DS Lite, and there's a little hole right there, and you had to get it in at just the right angle where you end up supposedly shorting a couple points on there that allow for right access to the system so then you can reflash the firmware. What? Yeah, no, I swear this was a thing. I swear this was a thing. Like now at this point with, you know, more modern flashcards for several years, it's been useless. Uh, but at the time when this is all starting, that was something that you could do to gain, you know, some extra privileges and all that stuff. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's not anything I ever really looked into. Um, oh, that's know, the it. Epic Martin 7 just said flash me. That's what it was. Have you ever heard of that? No. Yeah, no, that's like flash me. Wow, okay. So let's see. Les King said flash me just allowed GBA cards to run in DS mode and disables the RSA check in download play. The more you uh, know. I just I, I was more interested and fascinated with how it was possible as opposed to what the end result was. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. doubt. I mean that's fascinating. If I knew about it, I probably would have actually tried it. I but. tried it and I could never get it to start writing. So I kind of just gave up and I said, I'll just be happy with my flash cart. Yeah, that's kind of, I mean, the flash cart served its purpose and the DS was something that like, did never seem powerful enough to try and do any kind of like homebrew or any other kind of emulation. And I don't know, the DS was so good at doing what it did, which was playing Game Boy Advance and DS games that I was plenty happy with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. New, new topic? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably time we move on to the Sure, sure. Topic. We're going to start going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> oh, man. We got too many topics for this. Yes. I think we will be able to knock them out, though, for sure. So we have a Nintendo Switch homebrew launcher that is coming soon. This was released by, well, the news it, it, uh, itself was released by Pluto, correct? And it's supposed to be coming out on February 1st. So soon. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't know if there was any actual literal statements that said the homebrew channel slash launcher probably called the homebrew channel. Uh, it seems like that's what people are at least mentioning around the internet. Um, 
I don't think they actually said it was directly coming out February 1st, but a lot was I'm, alluding to that. I'm little. more looking here where there's this photo of the homebrew launcher showing on the Switch, and Pluto says, try not to create a toxic environment. We'll boot both LibNX and LibTranslator, Transistor homebrew. And then he said February 1st. Right. So there is not like a literal release date. This is happening. Um, but things are pointing to kind of like look like that so i i, I would say I, I would... look out on february 1st that's the best thing i can see here now the interesting thing is there are when he mentioned we'll boot both lib nx and lib transistor homebrew there are two formats for homebrew out right now and he just wants both of them to run on here so there's not a power struggle of oh hey this one is better no actually this one is better it's just that more people are using the other package yeah i thought for a while the 3ds had a really awkward thing going on because you had the homebrew channel or the homebrew launcher whichever it was called on there and you had a 3ds x format for that correct a lot of people were using cia files and then people were even you know compiling for the gateway and dot 3ds or 3d i think it was dot 3ds not 3ds x it was just a dot 3ds file yeah yeah so there was like three different formats and a lot of people supported all of them a couple people were like very uh very, you know, bent on just supporting one or two. So I felt like that was kind of a mess, and I never knew exactly what the best way to run it was, if you will. Um, yeah, I, always, I, I heard that. Like, I think we might have talked off the grid before and said that, like, 3DSX was the better way of doing it, and you had kind of explained it a bit to me as to how it was better. I believe that was right. And I had most everything as CIAs just because I liked having it on the home screen. Exactly. And that that's what and that that's kind of what I was uh, alluding to a bit where a lot of people are saying CIAs are better. And it's like the format wasn't really better. It was just people said it was better because it was much easier to access and it was all right there. Right. And then you could load uh, some of the homebrew through the like uh, the boot process or whatever, which would have elevated privileges over certain other methods. I don't know. It was it was all just I don't know. It was kind of confusing. Mm -hmm. So it's good to see that they're trying to like support both formats right out the gate. Hopefully we can have like, you know, that's not going to really matter. It's going to be, uh, you know, to the end user. It's whatever. They just install the homebrew, hopefully in a similar manner, and they can just go about their day without caring if it's made with LibNX or LibTransistor. Mm -hmm. As long as it's booting in a somewhat proper way, I think it'll be okay. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what's up. I think they're also trying to make it, you know, be the best way. And Lily, do you want to? Lily wants to see you. <laughs> she locked up right now. Yes, she is. She she's locked in my room. She pushed the door open and she can't open the door because she's a dog. Huh. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Uh, you can if if you want to. Do you want to uh, bring this up while I just. Uh, I guess the other homebrew launcher that's here while I open up the door real quick for her. Yeah, sure. This was kind of confusing to me because uh, Mr. Mario actually told me about the homebrew launcher that was coming out. And so I was pretty interested in it. I started looking up on it and I found there was a homebrew launcher that was already out. And I was kind of taken back. I was like, man, did this just happen while... Like since he had told me, but it turns out that a different developer actually um, actually came out with this. So I think the developer is KGSWS, and uh, this is basically a switch NRO loader. Um, and I'm not sure if that's um, I think that's built with libtransistor. I'm not I'm not sure for 
100%. Um, I haven't really looked too deep into the development side of things, but it's a, uh, it's a homebrew launcher. I don't know if you can pull up the video there on your screen. Oh, I have it right here. Oh, awesome. Cool. So, uh, basically it's loading NRO files and it's a pretty basic UI, nothing too fancy, just kind of a grid based deal. But, uh, it shows them loading a couple of things here. It even looks like they try and emulate the switches menu. I don't know if they're actually using the real components that you see in the setting menu or they're just kind of emulating it, but I mean, you know, for an early release, it looks looks fine to me. It's definitely yeah, it's, exciting. It's out there, at least. It's loading through Switch, and it's for firmware's 3.0. Well, 3.0 or lower, but just update to 3.0. It's for firmware 3.0.0 is what I'm saying. Yep. So um, no matter what, this is awesome. You know, maybe we'll see more homebrew launchers come out. I think uh, the more the merrier, in my opinion. Absolutely. Although I just don't want there to be a battle between the homebrew launchers. So I, I feel like the one Pluto is working on will probably be the one that people gravitate to more, but it's also going to be whatever is more accessible. Like Team Executor might just come out with one that's going to be just, it'll be easy and work right there and work on all firmware. So we'll see. Yeah, agreed. Um, I hope that it'd, you know, it'd be nice if we're not fighting over formats, right? Uh, hopefully they all run the same thing. Hopefully uh, the homebrew launcher that Pluto and company are working on will load the NRO files. Again, I'm not sure if that's associated with lib transistor or lib uh, NX, but um, hopefully we can all play together and we'll just, you know, compete for better features and whatnot. Um, Cause it's kind of nice not to have a single thing, like a single homebrew launcher, a single kind of source of this kind of thing. When the development sprouting up, I think more competition can be really healthy for, uh, you know, the early scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for now, let's uh, let's bring it back a few systems, if you uh, don't mind. So, Devin, what all do you know about uh, Free McBoot? Not much. Not much at all. This is out of my territory, but I do know it was for the PS2, is that right? Correct, yeah. So, I never really messed with PS2 modding. Had a couple PS2s growing up but I never really felt the need to mod it. Um, I don't know why I wasn't ever that interested, and I guess I was content with the Xbox and then my PSP. Um, so you would be much uh, more experienced at kind of talking about what FreeMakeBoot is and what this new piece of software is. I guess I still even feel like a novice with it, but I, I guess between the two of us, I had no more on here just with playing around with it and all that stuff. So uh, I will say we don't know a ton about it here. I just kind of want to prelude with that. But there is supposed to be something that's coming soon here. Uh, this is announced on November 19th, and it keeps getting periodic updates and everything, but it's called Extreme Elite Boot Plus, which in short, this is by uh, two people, Howling Wolf and Chelsea. And from what I understand, this was designed for Spanish-speaking audiences. I believe it was supposed to be in Puerto Rico. I'm sure they were just working on systems like PS2s for people, and they were installing this. Or actually, no, not that. even said in Cuba back in 2012. Uh, They're saying it's intended to be a ready-to-use, all-in-one, new-proof alternative to free McBoot. It's supposed to have some extra features as well, too. We don't know of those yet. Uh, They're just being really tight-lipped on here, uh, understandably so. But they have released a few screenshots here, which so far it looks really nice. Like I don't know what benefit it's going to have compared to Free McBoot. Hopefully an easier install process. 
maybe better loading with homebrew and maybe better compatibility. I'm not 100% sure on there, but it looks like it's just supposed to look a lot cleaner right from the get-go on here. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see once this comes out, like see what happens with it and uh, if people start gravitating more towards this or they kind of just stay on Free McBoot and say, yeah, this is the established software. Let's go ahead and use this. Yeah, I mean, this project is definitely interesting. What I'm not quite sure of is if Howling Wolf and Chelsea Fantasy are the original developers or if they ended up obtaining the source code for the software and continued developing it. Um, after reading the article again, it looks like it alludes to them actually being the original developers. Yeah, and he uh, he uh, he says here a project I have been working on with Chelsea Fantasy for a long of time ago. I'm just reading that as is right there. <laughs> yeah, a little bit of language translation yeah, error, no, but whatever. The original version had come out and it was just XEB, so Extreme Elite Boot. Uh, and then I guess somebody had asked about it and posted up some screenshots of it online, but now they're saying, hey, you know what, we're just going to completely redo it and translate it in a bunch of different languages and put it out because it's, it's 2018 and screw it. Yeah, no doubt. And it's really interesting. I think both Howling Wolf and Chelsea Fantasy uh, were relatively active in the 3ds scene i don't know if you ever heard about them uh, i did not else. i did not i'm not gonna say i'm a professional on that by any means but i i personally those names didn't ring a bell with me yeah at least chelsea fantasy was in the 3ds scene so it's really interesting to see them uh migrating over here i know i believe they were both involved with various different uh, methods of theming so they kind of had their own theming application that they were using in their own maybe even theme format do you remember what application that was uh Gosh, I can't remember. I didn't ever use it, uh, but let's see. Uh, let me see if I can find a link real quick. I know it wasn't Themer. I think that was the controversial one because the developer had done some suspicious stuff. So I believe that was it. Howling Theme Tool, I believe that's uh, what it was. Howling okay. Theme Tool. So yeah, you can look that up. Um, I mean, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's really cool to see some of these guys... Uh, you know, go from scene to scene and continue to produce more stuff. And it even seems like they're doing, I mean, this free boot thing seems a bit more uh, complex than what they were working on with themes, but I'm not really sure. I wouldn't know either way. I haven't really worked much with the 3DS scene. Um, mm -hmm. I just sent a link to you in the, the live group chat. Yes, I do have that right here. I'll go ahead and post this, uh, post this up on the screen here. It looks like, yeah, Howling Theme Tool, create your own CIA theme packages with custom and official themes. And this was at least about two years ago is what it looks like. So this would be, yeah, this would be the same person. Yep. Awesome. So. I'm not sure if, if anybody, you know, if you're watching the video version here later on, if, uh, but I'm showing it on screen. I'm not sure if anybody else has really messed with it. I personally haven't because I was never a themer for 3DS. Uh, but no, I, I I love seeing people just transcend between different scenes. Yeah, I wasn't really into the themes much either. And honestly, it, it made me a little sad because I saw themes coming out and I looked at them and I'm like, man, that's cool. I should play with that. No, I like it. it it's nice and clean. My, my console's clean. And that was the moment where I realized like, man, I'm an adult now. Like <laughs> <laughs> when I was a kid, I would be all over that kind of thing. But now I'm just like, no, let's just keep it clean and simple. And that's effort. And no. 
I think I went crazy with themes back on the PSP. Like I was I, like I loved going in like actual modifying the Flash Zero files themselves. Uh, but no, outside of that, I didn't really do much theme stuff. I might have done like a custom theme or two on the Xbox 360. Uh, but yeah, no, I kind of just kept it pretty stock, honestly, when it came to the looks of things. Yeah, that's how pretty much the same story. So I know know how it is. I don't know if you would agree with me on this, but it was especially phones because my logic is at least I'm like, yeah, no, with a game system, okay, sure, I'm going to play around with it, whatever, I might put a theme on there. But with a phone, it's more like, no, I want to customize it more for functionality, not really looks. I want it to be clean. Yeah, I agree. And just I'm also the kind of person where I try and keep my phone pretty trim because it is a device I use all the time. Any extra things that I have that are taking up storage, any extra processes that are running, or anything extra that I need to do if I have to factory reset my phone and set something up, usually just goes out the window. I like to keep it as simple as possible and as easy to set up as possible. Exactly. I've actually, I've had that discussion with some people and I've said like, yeah, I want to keep my phone as stable as possible and keep it clean. Like I might do, you know, modification here and there, but because I'm using it as a daily driver and it is a important device to me, I really don't want to be going crazy with it. And then I've heard people go on the opposite defense and they say, well, no, if it's a daily driver, I want to tinker around with it and do all these other things. But if it's a game console, because I don't really use it all that much, I kind of want that to be stable to me that, that to me, that does not make sense. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, I get it. Thankfully, Android's gotten good enough for me where I don't feel the need to modify it. But I mean, back in the day, I, I, I understand it to an extent. If it is a device, I use my phone for a lot of things. Some people don't. I use my phone for a lot of things. And if the workflow on my phone is not good, it can be a very frustrating experience. Exactly. Uh, these days, though, I feel like Android iOS for the most part, I'll save that discussion for a different <laughs> podcast, <laughs> but they're both pretty dang good. And um, I don't really have a whole lot of features or UI improvements that I really need that are worth the extra effort. Right. Yeah. And even the game consoles, I was just saying even the game consoles now, like the Nintendo switch, the UI is super simple, super clean. I like that. I love, I love the switch UI. Yeah, so... Although I will say, one of the things that kind of just, like, inside of me just fires off a few red flags is, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's, like, some games when you boot them up, like, you know, it'll, it'll go black and it'll show the Nintendo Switch logo and it'll kind of, like, do the spinny thing and then just stays there and it'll do a second spinny thing. I'm like, no, this is taking too long to load. I don't know if I really noticed that. It might be me because I use game cartridges and I think we've compared this to and we were like, yeah, no, if it's internally installed, it's going to be faster. Yeah, typically, but I haven't noticed too much of a difference. Like, my brother has game cartridges for several things now, and not too big of a difference. Maybe some games more than others. Yeah. Oh, well. Yeah, they did a good job with the UI, though. Anyways, um, I think that you would probably be good to start off this next topic, if you don't mind. Sure. So we talked about this uh, a few episodes ago, I believe. I'll go ahead and share my screen on this here. But this is from LibRetro, uh, who are the creators of RetroArch, the kind of all-in-one emulator package that's consistently updated and people know and love. So update on the Retro Freak situation. In short, they say here, after getting into contact with Cyber Gadget and explaining to them the situation pertaining to the illegal usage of non-commercially licensed open-source emulators, we are pleased to report the following. 
Dear Mr. Matisse, I believe, our sales of RetroFreak are being suspended at the moment to investigate the legitimacy of the open source software we use. Our company has been trying to comply with any kind of law. However, our developer claims that the use of the software is not illegal. So we are requesting them to prove and provide us the evidence. If your claim is proven to be correct, we would be willing to take necessary arrangements. Now, prior to this, a few episodes ago, we talked about the CD, which I believe the CD was not funded, but it was spelled S-E-E-D-I, which was going to be a essentially an orange pie connected to a DVD drive, and it was going to use RetroArch to play emulated games. So you could play ROMs and all that off of a storage device, but you could also pop in disc-based games. So Sega CD, PS1, TurboGrafx CD, whatever it was, whatever was compatible on there. Uh, a lot of people did criticize this, though, and LibRetro has come after multiple people. You know, They came after CD, they came after RetroFreak, uh, and also the Retron 5. And they said, hey... You're bundling in our one of our Super Nintendo cores, and we explicitly say on there that this core cannot be re, it can't be resold at all. It has to be distributed for free. So because it's being bundled with this hardware, you're then breaking the law on that, and you're breaking the licensing agreement on here. Uh, some that many people have disagreed with, um, but we're seeing at least some progress on this. Retron Five is obviously still being sold. The CD was never sold. It was prototyped, and then it didn't get backed. But the Retro Freak, they're actually, it looks like they're stopping sales on it, at least for now, because they want to research it and make sure, like, hey, are we actually allowed to use this software? Yeah, and like we discussed when we talked about uh, that in the previous podcast, it's kind of a weird, I wouldn't say gray area, but it's confusing. Um, especially for maybe someone on the business side that doesn't know some of this technical stuff, doesn't know exactly how the licensing works because the cores are licensed separately from the actual base retro arch code. So um, there's even a chance if the developer is, uh, you know, not as familiar with licensing, everyone could actually legitimately think they're doing the right thing when in reality they're not. Um, so repackaging the retro arch code is fine, but those cores are really what uh, are causing the legal problems here. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it is really nice to see them actually respond um, really well. They're even stopping the sales. So they're not just saying, Hey, yeah, like we're, we're aware we're going to keep selling this until you can give us proof. Yeah. Uh, Cause that's, that's what happened with CD originally. Like they actually, the, the developers, they, the developers of CD talked with lib retro and they said, Hey, look, we'd like to sell this system. We'd like to put your software on it. Uh, we believe it is legal to do this because it's open source, but will you give us your blessing? And lib retro said, no, you can't do that because you can't sell our software. Hello dog. <laughs> you can't sell our software that just, that can't be possible because of that core. And they had come back and had said, like, they as in a CD said, okay, that, that's fine. We respect that. But then they came back later and said, actually, we're going to go back on what we said, and we are going to be going through with this. Some people might say, why don't they just sue the company or whatever it is? And LibRetro, I mean, they're doing this in their free time. They do get donations, but they don't want to put in the money and everything and just the, go down the costly legal whole of what this would be to stop this so at least retro freak has been cool about that and they've been understanding and i know retro freak does support the super nintendo so this would be problematic with that because you said that it can be repackaged so if it got repackaged into something that wasn't 
using that Super Nintendo core, and let's say it took out Super Nintendo compatibility, I'm sure it would be okay. But because Retro Freak does advertise Super Nintendo and it's expected to use that, kind of an issue. Well, yeah, and here's the thing. Um, they could develop their own Super Nintendo core, or I don't know, maybe there are some other open source ones out there that are licensed under something a little more permissive. Um, that's also possible. I haven't looked into that myself because uh, I could actually eventually see some kind of a community forming around this because the core is like really essential for the that emulator to run. So ideally you want all the open source development going to as few of these as possible. So them rolling their own could be, you know, you could see a lot of different bugs. We It's obviously not going to be as mature. Um, we, we could see a lot more issues than if we use the RetroArch core. But if this starts a new trend, that's, you know, a lot of people start developing for it to get these consoles to be able to run it. You know, we could see it uh, develop over time. It's definitely a lot better than just, you know, turning away and saying, yeah, well, do something about it. Yeah, we'll see. I think it'd be nice to see devices with this sold on there, but of course, you know, like LibRetro, I'm also quite sure, you know, they did this on purpose as well too, to prevent sales from it from happening. But again, as you said, since it can be repackaged, like if they just released a system that did not have Super Nintendo compatibility, that would be okay. The other way of doing this as well too is obviously just like, which no consumer wants to deal with this, but the other way of doing it would be, hey, here's the hardware, everything's blank on here, here's instructions on how to load LibRetro's uh, RetroArch on here. Yeah, that would be a possibility as well, but that takes away the kind of plug-and-play simple, you know, console appeal. Exactly. The question I have is, how many people that are buying these are not technically inclined enough to be able to do something like that? It may be a smaller percentage than we think. Maybe it's larger than we think. Um, I don't know. But these aren't like super popular household name devices. So people that are getting these are probably a little more technical. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, well, I mean, that's why, like, as you were saying with uh, the users, with not a lot of users being like as technically apt to do that, a lot of people want to get a system where it's ready to go out of the box. So, I mean, that's even why we see a lot of Nintendo uh, minis and Super Nintendo minis and all these other systems like RetroPie systems that are preloaded with games and all that. And they, they sell, there's a demand for them because people want to be lazy. It's like, yeah, I could get everything and build it and do it myself, but I just want someone to do everything for me. <laughs> Right. Yeah. I mean, that's how it goes often. So, but good to see them actually taking the sales down. I hope this works out for the best for everyone and everyone can have some, some fun with some retro games. Yeah. Let's see what's up. I'll, uh, I'll see what's going on with here where we can kind of go back over to switch stuff, but, uh, you want to intro this topic here? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a lot of Switch stuff this week. but Yeah, we decided okay. to have a little break with Switch. We're coming back. Yeah. Um, so we had talked about mod chips earlier. Um, you know, I'm a little hesitant to open up something a little bit smaller, even though I've done cell phone repair for actually like a living for a while. It, it just smaller consoles are not the most fun thing to work with, especially installing a mod chip. Always a risk in, you know, damaging your, your console. However, good old fail overflow came by just to let everyone know hey hey hold off on 
combine those uh, team executor chips because we've got an exploit. It's a cold boot exploit. It's a boot ROM bug. So this is like about as deep as it gets. And according to them, uh, can't be patched in this model. They'll have to actually release a brand new revision of the switch to stop this. And it requires no mod chip. This is all soft modding based. So this is insane news. Kind of like <laughs> we've been saying this whole time, the switch stuff has been coming out. I mean, the traction is just absolutely outrageous. Things are moving really quick. Yeah. No. So we'll now. My question is on here with fail overflows. Uh, I can't even call. It, do Do you think this will get a release? I don't know. I mean, why do you say that? Just because they haven't really specified, they just kind of have bragged a little. Exactly. I mean, they, they've shown a proof of concept. They've shown that it's possible here. Uh, but I feel I don't even know if we're going to get a release soon. I feel like it would be, you know, maybe later on down the road. But I also feel like at the same time, we might see a bunch of these people uh, release all of this stuff uh, just because all of these people, like all the, all the other developers who are outside Team Executor, don't want this to be monetized. They want it to be freely available. Right. I mean... I totally agree with you there. I do think we'll see a release, but I don't think it's going to be extremely soon. There's no reason for them to rush this out. Um, you know, it's kind of bittersweet, I guess, because they're sure they want this to be freely available and not have people monetizing hardware and making a lot of money off this. At the same time, that's going to enable people to have what they want, uh, you know, pretty soon. So there's no real reason for them to rush this out. They have all the time in the world to perfect it, and anyone who really wants to, you know, hack their switch, they can go get a mod ship if they want to. Um, you know, who knows? Maybe we'll see a leaked copy of this get out uh, at some points, but I think for the most part, it's going to be a. It's, they're going to take their time. They're going to make it nice. They're going to perfect it, and they're going to make it stable. Uh, the people that really want to get this sooner can go buy a mod ship from Team Executor. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be the attitude with it all. I think Team Executor's release is going to be successful, but I want to see what other free software comes out. Lily, I know you want attention. You are being so whiny right now. Like these people are here, and they're not looking at me. Exactly. Exactly. Lily, there is 69 other people here, okay? They can't. They, they, they're trying to see you, but they, they can't. Um, one thing that I think is, you know pretty positive about this is that I don't think we're going to see a situation like we saw with, uh, with gateway on the 3ds where gateway dominated the scene for so long because gateway was uh, like the only thing out. Like it was, it was the only yeah. possible thing for years actually. Right. Yeah. yeah I, I think at least two. Yeah. At least two. You got, it got two really good years and at the time. It was like, well, there's nothing else out here. So it's either gateway or nothing. Yeah. Or one of the flashcards that just lets you, you know, play backups, but, the 3DS was definitely one of those consoles where I was like, no, I want to do a little bit more with this. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think this is a good sign that we're not going to be stuck in that territory. You know, we, we've already got good news that stuff's on the way. So I think it's just a matter of time before this scene gets just absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I'm super excited because I think the Switch itself has just so much potential. Yes. I can't wait to see what happens with it. On a side note, I also want to say before it completely disappears, thank you, simply GGN, for the two dollar donation. Right, yeah. Said so thanks for helping me mod my PS3. I'm guessing that one's for you, but probably. 
<laughs> just a guess, just a guess. Unless you've been helping people mod their PS3s, Devin, I don't know. No, I haven't made any any videos yet. Has has Lily? Lily! Have you been helping people mod their PS3s? She doesn't know what I'm talking about because she's a dog. Yeah, I mean, you could you could start. She could get a channel. Yeah, I'm sure you could get her some get some good footage of her mod and some consoles. She doesn't she doesn't want to start a channel because of all this demonetization stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, she well, needs she needs to buy her own dog food, man. <laughs> yeah, and get her out of the house. You start paying <laughs> her way. Exactly. Oh man. But no, I think the Switch is in a really good place. I'm really excited for everything, and you know, it's. Uh, I think we both pretty much called it, you know, even from like the very beginning of the, the Switch's life cycle, this was looking like a console that was going to be getting some serious work done on it, and it's showing much quicker than I anticipated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's. It looks like. I mean, next month we're going to see hopefully homebrew launcher from Pluto, uh, but March—that's what it looks like it's going to be. So I, I'd be interested to see what we're talking about in March or April of this year. Um. I'll have to go back and look at it. I feel like I should do that before the next month, uh, the next mod chat. But I'm pretty sure I called it. I said we we were going to see a lot of good, you know, news coming out with hopeful signs of development within six months of the Switch's life cycle and something solid within a year. And I'm, I, I'm that was pretty dang close, man. Yes, you were, you were. Yeah, no, props to you on that because it was the Switch came out in March. Yep, that's what I'm saying. We're not that far off. I'm pretty sure by March we'll we might have something solid that we can actually tangibly have in our hands. So, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff indeed. You know what's yeah. not so exciting? What's not so exciting, Devin? Tell me what's not so exciting. So a while back we talked about this little project that I think both of us were pretty excited for. Um, it was called Rainway. They had a, a really really. Uh, really solid sounding, you know, idea, a promise of bringing PC game streaming to the Switch, which is similar to, I believe Steam has something like that. Um, even the PS4 has some interesting technology similar to that for the PS Vita. Like remote I'm... play and Steam and whole yeah. streaming and all that. Yeah. So um, really awesome concept hardware wise. I think the Switch was perfectly feasible, but I'm pretty sure we both went on record and went like, I don't know if Nintendo is going to be cool with this or how they're going to actually pull this off and get this in the eShop or something. But um, I, we, we, we might not actually be seeing this. Rainway has deleted all information regarding Nintendo Switch. Act shocked. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it sounds like we weren't the only ones who were a little bit skeptical about if this was actually going to come out. Mm-hmm. Now, the one thing that I remember that actually gave me a little bit of hope was that uh, somewhere along the lines, I can't remember exactly what it was, but we had a little bit of proof or some kind of a statement that this was actually web-based, that this was, um, there was some kind of proof of concept out there for an HTML5-based streaming deal for the Switch. Mm -hmm. So I was hoping, you know, like thinking like, okay, well, if it's, if it's web-based, even though the web browser's not accessible right now, that might actually be a good sign. We still don't have a web browser. Rainway has not come out with any news, and they've gotten rid of all their Switch stuff. And now, I don't think their product was exclusively centered around the Switch. I think the Switch was just like, hey, we're going to support the Switch too. So they haven't gone completely dark. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I don't even know if we've, I don't even think we've got like an actual 
update about the switch in regards to Wainway from Wayne Rainway. It's just kind of like been like, yeah. And even so, so multiple people here have said, uh, and I'm just kind of putting this out there for, you know, the later video on demand version, of the actual podcast, uh, but people in the comments are saying uh, they never made any information about the switch on the site. So this is still up in the air, but I know it was, there were mentions of it before and now it's just kind of nothing. So I'd be surprised if this comes out, honestly. But we'll yeah, see. I know we had links um, back in some of the early uh, uh, the early podcasts where we actually mentioned this. So maybe we can go back and look and see what that was. Maybe they had a tweet or something like that. Um, I don't remember for sure if we actually looked at their website directly and saw information or not. That so was a lot of episodes ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was almost a year ago, I think. I yeah. mean. Um, but yeah, no. I, I, I'll, so for right now, I'll take Nicholas's word for it um, in the chat here. Mentioned about how they never had the switch information on their website. You know, either way, I would still love to see if this came out. But you know, maybe they're not trying to like get people's hopes up too high. Maybe if you know it actually becomes more feasible and more realistic, they'll update the website. And yeah, get some we'll news. see. We'll see. Only time will tell. I want to say, by the way, uh, thank you to the mod shop for the five dollar donation. It is much appreciated on here. Yeah, absolutely, man. This mod shop's always in the chat, and it sounds like you know you guys have a pretty good relationship outside this. So, yeah, yeah, no, we uh, we we we've worked on a few, but I guess not worked on anything directly. But nah, he uh, he helped uh, bring some content to the channel and uh, gave me some toys to play around with and all that, and show you all. So it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'll say follow his projects too. Like I'm not even trying to, it, this is not a paid promotion by any means, but like, I've just, I've seen the stuff that he has worked on is working on other stuff. And I'm like, this, this guy just knows his stuff. I don't know if I'm following him, but I'll go give him a follow on Twitter right now. And, I, I mean, uh, the, the main thing I showed on my channel was his uh, dual cool. name solution okay. for the uh, for the Xbox 360, where it came out, I, I think, maybe like a year or two ago, something like that. Um, but prior, you know, we had the Viper, uh, and not the, no, the Viper's his, but I think we had the Demon, Team Executor Demon, uh, which has a bit of a complex install. And then I think the Squirt, which is really complex as well. And then he just took that and boiled it down to a cheap $20 chip about like that big. And it's just like, hey, plop the sod here and quick solder board everything. And then there's like five wires and that's it. And it's just, it's so much easier. Like I had never done dual NAND solution and I did it on video for the first time and everything just worked. That's awesome. Yeah. I just checked and I'm definitely following him on Twitter. He needs to post more because it's got some interesting stuff going on here. But yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah. Anyways. Emulation, all about emulation. De Devin, what are we uh, what are we looking at here for emulation stuff? So uh, recently, when we were talking about kind of the big uh, reswitched updates, um, I can't remember what it was called. There was a name for it, but they had a switch emulator that they released that was specifically centered around homebrew. Um, this was not designed, not projected at all to play any switch main titles specifically for homebrew development. Well, now it looks like we have a new Switch emulator in the works that currently only works for uh, homebrew, definitely works best for that. But the goal is to actually get this to run legit games. The homebrew em or the emulator itself is called Yuzu, I believe. Is that what you would pronounce it as right now? Yuzu? Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, so 
Um, it's definitely kind of, uh, you know, it's got high hopes, you know, it sounds like they're going to take this and just take it as far as they can, try and get something um, really usable for main games. But uh, I mean, it's, it's a real professional looking website. It's a good looking project. It sounds like they've got the right people behind it. This is just even more of a sign that the switch itself has just a ton of, of good development behind it. And it's just a really good sign for the console as a whole. And it is behind, it's it's from the same team that works on Citra, which is the 3DS emulator, which yes. that thing is, it's great at this point. Like, I mean, it's not perfect. It yeah. can't play every single thing, but I mean, just, just look at it now and it's pretty solid. I mean, from what I've seen, the way they've iterated over that has been very impressive. When it came out, um, I remember seeing it and, you know, it was pretty limited in what games it could play and uh, games were, you know, maybe laggy and had frame rate issues. But, you know, I've heard really, really good things about it lately. And I should honestly probably try and load it up and give it a shot because I'd love to see some of those 3DS games actually in a better resolution. I think that's where some of these emulators really shine. Oh, absolutely. So really excited. Um, You know, I'm not sure. I'll I'll probably play around with this a little bit, especially as we get some more homebrew coming out. Um, You know, while I don't have a spare switch to hack because I'm not going to do it on my main console, you know, this would be pretty cool to play around with, I think. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that. I think, I, I, I mean, I'd like to see again where this is going to be in about a year or so to see if it's booting any games and playing them properly. Uh, I remember the excitement we saw around the Wii U emulator where it went from nothing to, oh my God, it's actually playing things now. Yeah, and I've seen some videos of uh, Breath of the Wild in like 4K and well some of the textures obviously weren't made for that high resolution so like you know it's got its limitations it still looks beautiful i mean it's awesome so i can't wait to see some of the you know switch games because uh i think nintendo has always had a good uh eye for making you know games that look really good on hardware that's not that great and then if you scale that up it works really well i'd love to see odyssey in 4k or something oh that'd be gorgeous yeah so yeah yeah Yeah. i can't wait we've got a uh, we've got another emulator too so speaking of switch emulation we've also got switch emulation which we have uh retro arch running on the nintendo switch itself it looks like this is going through uh, Pega Switch here, which it will show here in a little bit. The uh, the exploit is being loaded up and all. I'm sorry for the uh, the low frame rate to anybody who's watching this. Um, but no, when it comes out, like RetroArch is able to come up and they're able to play Super Nintendo games on here. Yeah, so, no, that's really the RetroArch team. Like Lib Retro, I don't know if you've been following them recently, but they've just been going hard. Where they went back into 360 developments, they've been updating uh, the original Xbox build. They have a Switch build that's that's out. Like they've been going crazy with this. That's really cool. And honestly, um, my respect for this team has gone up and up and up. I remember, um, I think the first time I actually heard of RetroArch might have been the 3DS, or maybe it was the first time I really like. Um, kind of looked into them. Um, I might have heard about them in pa- passing elsewhere, but they're doing a really good job, and I think it's an awesome project. And just to avoid any confusion, since we were talking about it earlier, um, distributing the SNES cores for the Switch is not going to be a problem. Um, we're not going to see any of the issues where RetroArch is going after anyone developing for the Switch. In fact, they're the ones 
doing the development, right? Yes. Um, it's really only a problem when you try to redistribute a product, when people are trying to like make money off of like if these. Like if they're selling uh, a Switch, course. for example, that is preloaded with RetroArch. Right, you know, for sure, sure. So Or any um, type of device preloaded with RetroArch, whatever it might be. Right, so um, for the most part, I mean, if that was happening, people obviously, most of the community is not really down with that anyway, right? Like, when you're, like, selling, especially if you're loading it up with games or something like that. So, like, anything that, you know, normal community members are going to do, going to download these uh, these emulators online like you would do with any other console, it's, it's going to be totally okay. We're going to see a lot of development coming. And honestly, the emulation, even though it was just Super Nintendo, looking pretty smooth. Yes. It didn't sound like there was any audio uh, glitches, no visual glitches. So uh, that, that's pretty awesome for such early development. Yeah. I think it'll be a really dope emulation machine to have. Oh, yes. I'm telling you, this is... Ha! This is what I've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> Just being able to take those games on the go, plug them into the TV. I mean, I don't know how many times I've played through a game on my you know, PSP or my 3DS and on my Wii, you know what I mean? Like, I like playing them in both form factors, but I don't necessarily like restarting the game over and over. And then I don't end up playing it as much just because I can't pick a console. Mm -hmm. So, um, I'm, I am stoked. Once this gets really mature, I mean, I don't know how soon I'm going to get into the Switch, but no doubt I will have a Switch dedicated for most likely just like, you know, emulation. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's actually what someone else said in the comments section here. They said, I will buy a second Switch just to have as a retro art system. That's honestly not a bad idea. I'm telling you, I mean, it just kicks the crap out of the pie. It might be a bit more expensive, but, you know, my pie will be used for something else at that point. I mean, I'll load my Switch up and just have that on deck. Mm -hmm. And it's a bit more convenient because I've also considered buying or building like, like a mid-range PC you know, with just like, uh, just to get a good emulation system going. But even that's probably going to be a little bit more expensive than a, than a switch would be. And then and even be, so you don't have the, the plug and play, like yeah. the console version, you know, what you, what, right. what you can do with on a PC. Unfortunately, I know a lot of PC elitists and PC master race people are going to be like, Oh no, you could do this and this and this. It's like, dude, like with well, a console, we just want everything to be there and boom, ready to go. All that other fun stuff. Keep in mind the pie is running Linux and you can easily put Linux on that, uh, that, that rig. And yeah. just do the same exact thing, so have emulation stations, so it effectively would be near console quality, right? But mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to have to build a PC for that. I will be able to take that PC with me when I go somewhere, and, you know, it's just a little bit more maintenance. The thing is, as well, too, when it comes down to, like, with your Switch, for example, if you... Let's say you're trying to play a few games and they're being buggy in the emulator and you get frustrated. You also have a really good library of Switch games on the Switch that you can play. Yeah, exactly. So I think uh, I think it's going to be really awesome. And, uh, you know, I can't wait. It's kind of been like the dream of mine. Um, it's, it's powerful enough to actually play a lot of games, powerful enough to play modern games. Just what more can you ask for? Mm -hmm. Everything, everything. We need Sarlis mod chips. We need retro arch. We need everything on the system. I'm going to ask for everything, Devin. You can have everything, because it's coming quick. Well, thank you. 
<laughs> right. I, I'm actually the one behind all this. I'm the one developing all this. I just didn't want to brag. No, I, I understand. I understand. We have to keep it a secret. <laughs> just kidding. That was a joke. Nobody take that and run with it. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to, uh, to bring this up here. This has actually been uh, talked about quite a bit in the comments here. So I know if uh, if we don't touch on it, people will probably get all mad at us and everything. But uh, Devin, did you see this uh, this PS4 article here? Oh, let me look. Which one is it? The this is, uh, one on package loading. Right for. Uh... For the 4.05 firmware? Correct, yeah. So this from Wololo, we're in short, he's saying piracy is now a thing on firmware 4.05. So in case anyone does not know, 4.05, we've talked about in past episodes. Um, public exploit has been out there. We also showcased from Flats, uh, or Flat Z that he had a method of installing games and homebrew uh, from a package file and just launching that directly on the system as opposed to doing it the other method where you have to like dump and decrypt the game and then play it through another method and all that stuff. Uh, but now there are possible ways to dump your own games and play those dumps and reinstall them and everything. Uh, so it is possible to do this now uh, to either play backup games or of course, you know, pirated games as people are going to do as well. Uh, one thing that is not mentioned on here, though, uh, I believe so, is I've seen this on Twitter quite a bit. There's actually localization packages that are going out. Have you seen that, Devin? No, but this story in general, I've noticed, has actually gained quite a bit of, not mainstream attention, but on a lot of more popular blogs. But I haven't heard about this uh, actual localization, which is pretty cool, actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in short, I mean, I've seen it on Twitter a few times, like the example I saw was uh, someone had, I believe it was Juni, uh, Juni had a copy of Life is Strange, and then uh, grabbed a package file that was a localization Korean version of Life is Strange, so you just install it, it's not the game itself, it's just a localization patch, you're able to install it on there, and then play Life is Strange with Korean subtitles, completely localized. That is really awesome. Um, I think that that's honestly extremely simple with how you know this whole package system works. Um, mm -hmm. This is know, kind of for, yeah the, for for anybody who's familiar with like the Wii U modding scene, for example, this is kind of comparable to uh, like what we did with loading at first. Like if you remember where you had to dump the game to an SD card and you had to modify any files on there if you did it, and then you had to load the game in a raw format off the SD card itself. And then we upgraded later on to the title installer uh, method. Uh, it's kind of similar to that where with the PS4 originally on 1.76, we had that method of playing a decrypted game that was dumped and then you had to do something with another application and all that. Uh, but now you can take the game and install it as a PKG file and run it straight off the system menu as a regular game would. Uh, I've heard some issues where like some games might be glitchy or some games might not work as well or some games might not save, but that's also to be expected while this is still in its infancy. Yeah, absolutely. But it's pretty cool. Opens up loading backups and homebrew, so that's nice. Yes, and one dear favorite to me as as someone in here, uh, Jamichael Carter, I believe, as he said, hell yeah, you'll get PT and you'll get PT and you'll get PT. <laughs> and if this can help preserve PT and get it into poor hands, I, th that makes me feel good. Nice. Yeah. There's also, I don't have a uh, an article on this, unfortunately, but apparently now there's also methods of uh, taking 
PlayStation 2 games and repackaging them as PS2 classics on PS4. So the PS4 is, of no surprise, a pretty solid PS2 emulator. So people are having fun with that now, too. That is awesome. Yeah, I think I did hear something about that. (laughs) Yeah, I know with, like, the PS3, for example, a lot of people were using that uh, because, what was it, with the PS3, like... You got pretty good emulation if, well, excuse me, you got pretty good compatibility, I should say, if you had a hardware backwards compatible PS3. And then the first run software backwards compatible PS3s were okay. But then any systems after that, you couldn't play PS2 games on there unless it was a PS2 classic issued by Sony or if you had a jailbroken system. Uh, But even so, I've had a tutorial showing how to do that. And I've had some friends that have tried it. And games just don't play as well on there. Uh, so mm. when you try PS2 emulation, it's like, hey, cool, I'm playing a PS2 game on a PS3 Slim. But then after you try a few games, you also see why they didn't allow PS2 emulation just right off the bat for for everyone. Because a lot of people just gotcha. would have complained that it didn't look good or didn't play well or it was crashing or whatever it was. Do you think that's just because the PS4 is that much more powerful? Is it just able to support that kind of workload better? Do you have any idea yes. why that is? Correct, yes. Gotcha. Well, it's good to hear. I'm, I mean, PS2 is an awesome console, and so getting that into the hands of, you know, more people to go back and play those games is, you know, it's always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I love me my PS2 games. So if we have a if we have a solid emulator for it, fantastic. Right now, I'm I'm actually I play PS2 games right now, but I play them on a PS2 with my Frame Meister. Oh, really? Yes, I, I like Meister. I like the, the capture card. Uh, no, it's the upscaler and deinterlacer. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's funny. That- I've actually played some games without the Frame Meister, and because I I'll play some systems with it, and the PS2 just does not have good video output. So I play, it and I'm like, eh, this looks okay. But then if I play a PS2 without the Frame Meister, I'm looking, and I'm like, oh my god. This is even worse. I'm really yeah. taking that frame meister for granted. Oh God! Yeah, it, it does get kind of bad. I we definitely take all this for granted. <laughs> but do you know if uh, how the frame meister output compares to the PS4? Uh, do you mean like the video output quality? Yeah, or just anything, just the gameplay. I mean, all all across the board. I mean, Would games that prefer? people have tried have been pretty smooth, like PS2 games on PS4, because you get that bump up in compatibility and then on top of that the ps4 has a nice clean output signal the frame meister does as well too but the problem is with the physical playstation 2 hardware not with the yeah. frame meister gotcha yeah oh yeah it is interesting so if you if you would take one of the two you would probably as long as the game's running uh you know flawless you would take the ps4 emulation probably over the frame meister uh, aside from depending, aside from depending the, the some nostalgia yeah like yeah. Okay, interesting. No, I probably would. I definitely want to give it a shot at one point. I actually, I still have my PS4 sitting on 1.76. I haven't updated it to 4.05 yet because um, I've been working on other modding-related projects and doing videos on those, so I just haven't touched the PS4. But also, I, I'm excited to see this stuff happening. But I know like in like a month or two, I mean, we're going to see more development, and we're also going to see, when I say dust settle, we're going to see the dust settle, and I don't mean we're going to see development stop. It's just things are going to click into place more and we'll have more solidified concrete methods on everything where everyone will agree and be like, this is what we're supposed to do. Right. Just minor developments here and there, but exactly. the general, 
general methods of doing everything be nice and mature. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we have, I guess, one last thing on there. Devin, would you uh, would you mind taking this? Oh, which one was it? We've gone just a little bit of out of out of order. Oh, it's all good. This is uh, I'm not sure if the keep is being updated. It's the uh, SM hacks one. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, if if you've been updating the the doc, I have not seen it. Oh, but I can bad Google. Yeah. I know, and they're usually pretty good about that. But I that's know, okay. Right? It's okay. Um, so I guess I kind of talked about this a little bit already, um, but essentially several of the major hackers in the Switch scene that also kind of carried over from the 3DS scene, they were at a big uh, conference. Let's see, what, which one was was it? 3, uh, 34, 34 C3. C3. Yeah, so 34 C3. Um, so there was uh, Pluto, Derek, uh, Naywert. That's I how I would say it, Naywert. Yeah. Um, Apparently, Yellow's 8 uh, also has some credit for some of the work, but essentially they went into detail about how they were able to kind of figure out how to accomplish SM hacks through the you know wide documentation that we have available for the Taker X1 chip, the debugging hardware that they had available for it, um, and kind of just went into detail of just how easy it was to exploit. Essentially, uh, the entire security model was completely laid out to them. It was all documented. They didn't really have to figure out a whole lot, including one of the boot flags that I had kind of mentioned earlier. Um, so I was kind of talking at a little bit of uh, talking a little bit out of turn earlier. Let's see if I can actually find the specific boot flag that it was. Um, not sure if I see it here. Oh, here we go. I mean, just, just uh, there was a quote from someone. Let's see if I can figure out. Sure. What was it? It doesn't look like it actually says. I think it might have been Naywork who said this, but he said, just search for bypass the SMMU in the documentation. Oh, that's Pluto. Um, and basically, that was the system memory management unit. And he kind of finished that uh, statement off with NVIDIA backdoored themselves. <laughs> so, you know, essentially the exploit to get to the area of the memory that they needed was documented out in the open. So Perfect. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Not too difficult at that point. And this is really why the, um, the big update that patched SM hacks before it was even out, why it was kind of such a big deal. And I don't think a lot of people really knew why it was a big deal, but it was like people even said when it got patched, like, stay on 3.0. That was yes. a big hole that got exploited or patched. Yes. And this was what that was. <laughs> yeah. Saying that that's even fitting with what's on screen right here. There will be homebrew soon in collaboration with Team Reswitch. Get on 3.0.0, stay on 3.0.0. And for anybody who, if, you, if you're trying to track down a system that's on a lower firmware, uh, get Pokemon, uh, well, no, Pokemon Tournament DX. That has the 3.0.0 firmware update on it. So you can use that to update your system. And I believe that is the only game that has come out with that firmware update on the cartridge. Yeah, even if I don't get a Switch like really soon, I should probably pick up one of those copies because I could see that actually. I actually uh, want to play the game is the thing. Yeah, and I, I, I can see that getting updated as well. I know uh, back in the day on the PSP, Sony did that with uh, Liberty City Stories. Yep, I remember that. Yep, the, so. the firmware 2.0 version was fine. The firmware 2.6 version was patched. 
I yep. believe those were the numbers. Uh, yeah, I can't remember specifically. You would have a better guess than me, but um, yeah, so I'm probably going to pick up that game now that I think about it pretty early. Um, I don't have to worry about it too much. I can just let it sit. I've got a Pokemon tournament on my Wii U. I do as it's well, but I'd like, it on, I'd, I'd like it on the go. That'd be pretty cool. I It's it's one of those things, like, I, I have a Switch on 3.0, so I'm okay with that, but it's more, I'm like, well, I want to get the game just to have it, just in case, but also I want to play the damn thing. Yeah. So well, who knows? I'm get... meaning to get, but I haven't. If I get it too, I'll play with you, all right? Okay. We can play together. Appreciate it. <laughs> But yeah, no. So it, it's it was really interesting to read about. Um, I can go ahead and post the link here in the chat if anybody wants to read up on it. Um, they have sure. more links provided, and I'm sure you'll have it in the show notes. Yes, I will. Awesome. There was even the uh, a video attached to this one with a lot of the details that they talked about. So yeah, um, it's the uh, the whole console security thing right there. Yep. I even saw, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on. I even saw someone on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, uh, but they were talking about how they were actually like looking into some kind of like exploitation. I don't know how deep, uh, starting from the Joy-Cons. So there's all kinds of stuff. Hopefully this isn't, you know, the only major exploit we see for the Switch for years. But, I mean, it's so big that, like they said, I mean, you're going to want to just get on 3.0 and stay there. Mm-hmm. get a console and uh because it's just going to be by far the easiest way to get your switch hacked correct yeah no we'll, we'll, we'll see what's up with it but with that though we are uh dev we're at the end of our topic list aren't we we are i think it's been a good one it's been a, a lot of topics a lot of nintendo stuff it's been it has been it's been it's been a strong uh entrance to 2018 here on the podcast In- nintendo chat 2018 exactly yeah <laughs> I don't think we've got, like, nobody's criticized of us of that. Like, they've joked around, but it's like, hey, we keep talking about Nintendo stuff because there's a ton of Nintendo modding news coming out. Nintendo's popping right now, and it's 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 a good time. I mean, even, even just the success of the Switch, right? I mean, it's been such an exciting time uh, just because it's been so long since Nintendo has got this kind of recognition. Correct. Yeah. Or I guess Nintendo for their system, then Nintendo modders for, you know, the work they've been doing on a new system. So that hasn't even been out a year at this point. Yeah. Like everyone's winning here. Yeah. Good shit. Yeah. Anyways, for anybody who's familiar with the show, uh, you would know what time it is. But for anybody who is new here, uh, this is going to be user question answer time. So for about 30 or 45 minutes, uh, if you all have questions for us, we will do our best to answer them. So drop them off here in the uh, chat if you have anything to ask. For anybody who is listening to this later on as a uh, post live version or watching this, uh, you're gonna. If you ever want to ask us questions live on here and have us answer them, you kind of have to come into the live chat. Apologies for this, but in the meantime, we we have Lily right there just chilling. Hey, girl. Hey. She was a. Uh, I I had to put that dog on a diet. I don't know if I told you. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, she was getting fat. Yeah, fat puppy. <laughs> Whatever. You always give her the fat puppy face. You're the, you were feeding into it subconsciously. I was. No, the fat puppy face is hilarious, but it was getting to the point where I was like, you are getting way too round. Right. <laughs> Cute little football. <laughs> exactly. No, she's no. a good pup. She is. She she tries. She's, she tries. She just likes to eat. Yeah, exactly. Food is like her number one thing in life. It, it's great. 
Let's see. Are there any questions so far is, in the chat? There is one already. Would you, would you like to take this first question? Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see. The one by see Blueno <laughs> CP9. I don't know I if believe- that's how you pronounce it. But uh, question. Is the Xbox One emulating every OG Xbox game on its own emulator in the software of the console? So basically saying, is this software emulation? Is this hardware emulation? What's going on there? It's software yeah, emulation. Yeah. From from what I know, it is software emulation. That's what it's been described as. Uh, honestly, I think it's probably the same as a 360, where they're really able to emu- technically emulate any game they want to. At this point right now, though, uh, the issue is licensing. Because they don't do... Mm. You, it, there's no backwards compatibility. Um, like, Devin, I, have you messed with uh, Xbox or Xbox 360 emulation on Xbox One? No, I don't have an Xbox One currently. And I don't gotcha. have plans to get it in the near future. I've heard a little bit about it. I know a couple people who have been interested in it. So I kind of, I believe, does it still require the, um, like, the developer kind of license to be able Correct. to install? Because like, what, what happens is, like, when you when you take a disc, it's not being backwards compatible. You you take a disc and it acts as a license key, so to speak, and then it goes to Xbox Live servers and downloads a whole new build of the game. It's the same game, but it's a brand new build for Xbox One, essentially meaning that the game has been re-released. So if they don't have permission from the developer to re-release the game, it's not going to be compatible. But yes, it is all software emulation. Well, hopefully uh, one day if the Xbox One gets some more development, hopefully we will see... Um that built-in emulator get utilized. Yes. Uh, maybe by, you know, being able to load our own games that w- were ripped, similar to, like, the 3DS, where um, Nintendo made their own virtual console emulators, which were actually very performant because they obviously made the original console. So mm-hmm. hopefully sure. eventually we get to see some of that. Yeah. I think uh, I do have a question here, which was, uh, so how do you feel about PS4 modders are able to emulate PS2? Uh, we just talked about this about 10 minutes ago, so I'll, I'll keep it short. I think it's fantastic. Yep, sounds like it does it well, you know, as long as the games are uh, really stable, no frame rate issues, really, um, and, you know, it covers most of the library. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll yank uh, this one here. Do you think the Xbox One will be exploited? I think... Eventually, we might see something. It's going to be tough, though. Yeah, I mean, the Xbox One has sold decently well, and, you know, there's smart people out there. The fact that we haven't really seen a whole lot is not too promising, but surely, at least by the, you know, the end of its life, we'll see something. It's also, from what I've heard from people much smarter than me, is it's more of an issue of exploiting the Windows 10 platform and Windows as a whole, not just exploiting the Xbox One. Right. Now they're not maintaining, like, you know, two completely separate code bases. So exactly. uh, The work they do on the desktop pays dividends. Yeah. Uh, Do you think the PS2 will ever get an HDMI mod similar to pulling direct video signal from the video chip? Uh, So we've seen this with the N64 and uh, what was the other system? The GameCube? I think maybe. I think there would be possibly a demand for that, but at the same time, uh, I don't know if a lot of people are really looking for that, to be honest. I'm sure there are people that would love it, but I think also a lot of people might just say, hey, you should just emulate the system or do something else, or I don't know. We might see something. I just don't know how well it will be worth. Although I also kind of thought of that with the GameCube because we can play GameCube games backwards compatible on the Wii, yet we have HDMI mods for the GameCube. So I could be wrong. 
I think it's a matter of time. Someone else needs to get to it. Right. Some hobby hacker somewhere is going to get it figured out and then it's going to bust wide open. <laughs> exactly. Let's see. So there is a question here from Les King. So how are Nintendo systems able to be backwards compatible, but Microsoft basically needs permission from the developer? Um, I'm sure that all of the titles that Nintendo released as virtual console were, um, were they had the licensing for that. You know, they didn't release their entire library by any means. And if we're talking about actual discs, then, um, you know, they were just, you know, playing the discs if they can. I believe the Wii had actually, like, the Wii had GameCube hardware in it, yeah. right? And so then, it wasn't really emulating it. Yeah, but I would I would think that similar licensing problems could apply to the to Nintendo. The thing with Nintendo is that most of their games that they're emulating are Nintendo games, mm-hmm. so it's less to worry about as compared to like when you have a console that a lot of the you know big popular titles were third parties. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's the uh, well the 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 thing is too they were able to have it native in their system, so it wasn't really an issue. So like if a developer was just like, hey, we don't want this system to play our one game that we like, we don't want the Wii to play our one game that we released on the GameCube. It's like, well, sorry, that's not really possible because it's hardware based. So if someone has the disc and they put it in, it's going to play. It's not yeah. like we had to relicense the game. Right. 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 Devin, are there any games you want to get a Switch port? Melee. 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 <laughs> or emulation. Like, port or emulation. I don't care. I want some Melee, even if it's not, like, true Melee. If they did, like, a really good effort of recreating that, I think I'd be happy. But uh, out, of new, out of new games, I'd love uh, South Park, The Fractured Butthole to, uh, to be ported over. Oh, yeah. Very nice. You enjoy that game? You played it a bit, right? Yeah, I I don't even know if I'm halfway through. Like I I kind of just stopped playing it, unfortunately. Like it's just it's 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 great, and it's it's one of those games. It's great. And it's better than the first, but it's just it's missing something that's keeping me going, and I don't know what it is. Maybe if you could just take it with you everywhere, play that it work could a be little one thing. on your yeah, break. No, if I could just take it everywhere, I'd probably be more inclined to put more time into it. A little bit more. I mean, it could be something that's a little bit more casual of a game when you want to sit down at your big TV. You know what I mean? Maybe you want a different experience. Mm-hmm. I haven't played it yet, but I've heard insanely good things about it, so I wouldn't mind giving it a try if it actually did get released on the Switch. Yeah. No, I think, and really any other, most games that are coming out on the Switch are just being successful, so it's great. It's great to see. I, li- I like the support that's seeing just from everything all around, from Nintendo, from developers, and from homebrewers. Yep, I've seen countless people, like, mention stuff about, like, ukulele was worth the wait for the Switch, or, like, Man, I just now I like the only thing I think about when a new game comes out is I wish it would come out for the Switch. I mean, that's funny you said that. I actually I purchased Ukulele on PS4 and it was still in the wrapper and I returned it when I found out that it got a release date on the Switch because I was like, well, I the Switch is my preferred platform right now and if I buy it on PS4 but then the Switch version comes out, I'm going to have buyer's regret. Yep. I, it's, a lot of it's people just, will probably joke around and say that, I mean, getting ukulele is going to be virus regret, but screw it. I, I still want to play it. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think we're, what's really nice is I think we're well past the initial stigma about the Switch being not a very powerful console. Right. Mm-hmm. I think people, when they play it and realize it, it's, there is, there's very little compromise. No, I'm not outputting in 4K. Yes, your games can look a little bit better. 
give it a try though. I mean, it's the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Anyways, let's see, let's move on. Do we have any more questions here? Um, you might be able to answer this one. Um, does anyone know of an HDMI to component converter for the OG Xbox? Or I'm guessing a component to HDMI. I guess it So funny enough, I actually do really... have I, I actually I am looking at a few cables for a company. I need to do more in-depth work on it. Um I don't want to say the company's name, uh, but I'll just say that the cable that I got, I think people should try other cables, maybe. I don't know. I, I have a Xbox component to HDMI cable, and it just produces a like line-by-line -line noise all across the screen, and I cannot recommend oh, it. Yeah. Oh, I hooked it up, and it was immediately noticeable on my TV, and I was like, well, let me try I tried playing in-game, and... No, it was wow. just, it still looked bad. I actually I captured some footage from it. Like I did a comparison between component to HDMI and Xbox to HDMI, and no, that that cable is just it's a noise with the cable itself. So I can't recommend that solution. Yeah, well, you'll have to let me know whatever you figure out because I can't play that Xbox of mine. <sighs> Sad. Yeah. Do I you know. not have a component on your TV? Oh wait. Not not uh, like the red or the red yellow white. Uh, Only like red, red green blue. That's what the cable that the Xbox has. Component, yeah. Oh, there's composite. You might be thinking of composite, which is yellow, yeah. red, and white. Right, right. Okay, yes, I was getting mixed up. Okay, then I do. I yeah, I should have. I've got one set of ports for the component. Okay, because I was, I was about to say, I know your TV is a little bit older, so I was like, I would be shocked and kind of disturbed if your TV did not have components. Yeah, it's about, eh, what, it's like four years old? Three, three, four years old? Something like that, yeah. Three, yeah. Not too bad. It's still holding up fine. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even in a like a negative manner. It's just like newer TVs now just don't have components. Wow. Dang. Yeah, I mean, that's not too surprising. Hopefully they have more HDMI ports to satisfy that lack of like a component. But yeah, we'll see. Because honestly, my my TV only has two HDMI ports, and in this day and age, it's not enough, man. Yeah, I need to get some kind of like a switcher or something. No, I I, I had to do that. I know um, I've done that on my monitor, and then I've worked with like one one of my friends. I had to give him a switcher because I think he only had one or two HDMI ports on his TV. Yep, because now I've got my Pi, I've got the Wii U, I've got my Xbox, I've got, got the Switch, and I'm actually like, oh, and my Chromecast, and I'm unplugging <laughs> HDMI cords like a savage. I mean, who wants to do that? No one wants to do that. Yeah. But good thing is the Switch isn't necessary to play, so you know, so a lot of times I just play that on the go. True that. True that. Even even when I'm in my apartment, I'll just play it on portable mode most of the time. Yep, because I like to actually sit at my desk. Uh, I'll even be like having a YouTube video play in the background, or just be like sitting there, you know, at my computer in case I want to like do something. Um, it's much easier to just set my switch down. I even have. Speaking of, little... I need to charge my switch. My left Joy-Con is dead right now. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. no spare Joy Cons yet. I do have spare Joy-Cons, it's just I didn't switch them out. I still need to charge it anyways, but yeah, no, I was playing a bit at work, and it was just like, as soon as I disconnected low battery, I'm like, damn it, why? The system's at 100%, how did the Joy-Cons die? 
What's interesting to me, I don't think the I don't think the console charges Joy Cons. Mm. Only when it's charging, like when it's plugged in. Yeah, like when it's like docked. You're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, but technically, like the Joy Cons could die, and the console could still be like going strong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, that's true. Um, one thing I've noticed, I don't know, I'd get your input real quick. We don't need to go on too long. Have you noticed that like one of your Joy Cons always dies quicker than the other? Yes, my left one dies quicker. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I I can't remember if it is the same one. It probably is the same one over and over again. That like you know always the left one or whatever. But I found it very interesting because it actually seems to be like a significant difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of weird. I, I I was gonna say here real quick. I know you mentioned the uh, the the Xbox, and I've just been like someone asked about this PSP because I just kind of been playing around with it. But uh, Devin gave me this as a late Christmas present. Yeah. Well. Yes. It's, it's, I mean, it's the least I could do. I mean, and you had given me a modded Xbox. Yes. Yeah. No, I did. That, that was the Xbox that he had mentioned. And I, 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 there was a few other things as well, too. But yeah, no, we actually, he, he just gave this to me right before mod chat. And it was funny because I was like messing around with it. And then the, the most exciting thing about this is that it's a Japanese system. Because I, I was in the menu and I was about to tell you, like, as I was pressing X, I'm like, oh, no, it's broken. I was like, wait a minute circle oh shit it's japanese <laughs> yeah and i had no idea yeah i mean it's, it is a 2000 model not not a 2001 it's a 2000 i don't know it, it worked out for the better it's kind of hilarious because the uh the seller had all the information wrong it was like a black right. american psp and you got a white japanese psp and even on the packaging you got, i think you there you even have some of the packaging it literally says on the packaging piano black PSP, <laughs> so like completely wrong, but it ended up actually being uh, what you would prefer, I think, in both ways, both being yeah. white and Japanese console. Yeah, I think the only the only issue is I need to like, I know such I, a need to, I need to replace this because it's not supposed to come out that easily. But oh well, no, I'm so Lightly happy. Used with my this. ass. I've, yeah, no, I've I've never had I've had a PSP Go and a PSP uh, 1000, but I've never owned like a proper two or three thousand model. I never got a 3000, but the 2000 was definitely, I, I, that was like my favorite iteration of the PSP that I had played around with. Yes. I kind of no, wanted a PSP you know, go. I'm, but I'm excited like, to mess around with this thing, so thank you again. <laughs> it's so, I mean, I guess you probably don't use it every day, but I remember when I got that thing, I was just amazed at how lightweight it was compared to the 1000. It is just, I mean, it felt like a feather back then, but. Mm-hmm. Although compared to other uh, other electronics I use now, the other day I actually did get out the one thousand, and I was holding. I was like, "Huh? Oh, this is this is really this is a lot lighter than I remember." Huh? The one thousand? Yeah. Oh wow! After not touching it for like a year, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's good, I guess. I mean, f- phones are getting pretty heavy these days with all the the glass and metal and all that good stuff. So. Maybe it's just maybe the the times have changed. Yeah, the times are changing. Oh boy. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about this, but uh, when will CMU ever use the Wii U gamepad? I want to use CMU, but a Wii U with custom firmware just seems like the more complete alternative. I can't remember if I can't remember. I, I think the Wii U doesn't like like connect to or the gamepad doesn't connect to the wii u with like a standard protocol like bluetooth i'm pretty sure they use like no it doesn't two, use bluetooth. it's like 2.4 gigahertz or something like that 
or some weird sounds about right. Yeah, but it, I'd, I'd think it would be there'd be a lot of steps in between. I don't think it'd really be worth it to get it on the PC. Um, I hear what you're saying. It'd be but, worth to go on the PC if it's uh if you're wanting your games to look pretty and be you know easily accessible and use different type of uh, inputs. But if you're wanting the actual native experience, you know, modified Wii U. Yeah, they're. I don't. Hopefully, they're not too expensive these days. I don't know. I guess I haven't looked in a while. But I think you can pick them up for under 150 now if you know where to look. Yeah. Yeah. So. The scene that scene's still thriving. Actually, I really need to go update my Wii U after that update that came out that caused cold boot issues. I think of a uh, five point five point two, I believe. Yeah, I think you're right. I never, I never ended up like going to actually update everything, hmm. get everything up and running. But did um, what are your thoughts on the, the Nintendo Labo or Labo or however you say it? I just, I, I, I'm asking that myself. Gosh, we probably should have put that in the. In the sh- the actual like, it's not really modding. Right? I think I think it's just great that. Like, well, you you remember when like the everyone thought you know when the the switch was announced that the uh, the Wii U would just drop in price. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No, I know the Wii U's. They they're really hard to find because they got recalled by Nintendo. So I'm really happy to see that they ended up taking the boxes from those Wii U's and repurposed them and they're reselling them to us now. Those are Wii U boxes? No, they're not. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I thought you were serious for a second. I was like, no, 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 there was a satirical article that was about it. It just it's cracked me up and made me smile every time I thought oh, man. It. I did not see that. That sounds hilarious. <laughs> you have to send that to me if you find it again. But... I will, I will. No, um, the reason why we should have put it in there, because someone, I mean, maybe, maybe it's a little premature, but somebody made a really good point, and I can't remember who it was, but someone in the hacking scene, they just posted a tweet like, yeah, this Nintendo Labo stuff is cool, but I can already see like what kind of homebrew is going to be made with that. Like people making their own custom kits, like you know, buy this like cheap third-party Nintendo Labo thing, install this homebrew application, or even stuff in the eShop. You know what I mean? Like the the possibilities are endless with that. I even saw someone make like a, a cardboard grasshopper that the Joy Cons like were actually functional in somehow, which is kind of interesting. I mean, just the the quirkiness of it and the possibilities just absolutely amaze me. And I'm, I'm pumped to see what people do with this. I, I, I think the quirkiness is awesome and hilarious. It's definitely some that we have not seen before because I believe Nintendo is even hinting. They're just like, Hey guys, we're going to show you all. We're, we're going to bring out some type of gameplay experience that's never been done. And people were predicting VR for the switch, but no, this is a gameplay experience that has not been done. Uh, my only things are one, the price $70. I'm not paying that much for that. And two, that cardboard i feel like it's gonna get dirty and nasty pretty quick like especially if you're marketing this to kids that's true um i do think the price is a little bit steep i wonder if that price is a little high because they know that people are going to make like third-party ones so they're like let's Mm. charge a little bit extra for the people that do buy it to make up for all of the knockoffs because if it's truly just cardboard they don't have any kind of like nfc chips or anything in there then you know why wouldn't someone buy the much cheaper version that's surely going to come out on Amazon no matter what price they make it? Because one of them says Nintendo and the other one doesn't. I don't know. Yeah. That's my <laughs> guess. As to they're just trying to offset the potential losses, you know, yeah. but yeah. I'm not, I don't work at Nintendo. My uncle does though. My uncle does too. My uncle works at Nintendo and Sony. Oh man. 
Your uncle's way cooler than mine. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 actually got the PS5 and he has the PS6, but the PS6 is broken right now, so I can't I can't show you all. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I mean, maybe next time. Maybe next time. Maybe next time. <laughs> Let's see, before we get too derailed, do we have any other questions in here? Uh, I'll have you hunt for some questions on there. I'm I'm kind of looking as well too. I'm not sure what this means. I'm not going to pretend, but account plug said, do you think Xbox one will be RGH? I don't know. I know that's uh, I, I I know what he's talking about. Like the reset glitch hack similar to, you know what we got on the Xbox. Oh, okay. Yeah. I just never seen it. I said is because like, even if there is an exploit of some kind, I don't know if it's going to be a chip that loads up another um, you know, a, another image or if there's something else that has to happen or if it's going to get glitched. I have no idea. I didn't even know, Devin, I don't, I don't know if you've looked into reverse engineering, but I didn't even know glitching was really a thing that was known, honestly, until the Xbox 360. What do you mean? Like glitching as in resetting a piece of hardware to manipulate it to do what you want. Really? Yeah. Hmm. That's kind of like a whole new like method of exploitation that was mm-hmm. first discovered on the Xbox. It wasn't discovered on the Xbox, but what happened was I actually I read through the initial release of the reset glitch hack by Gleegly, uh, like what like a week ago or so. I was just <laughs> I was finding some really highly technical reading uh, that was related to older consoles before I was going to bed, and in short, he was trying to find some way to port over the JTAG hack, which was, you know, related to the SMC on the system. And he ended up syncing up with someone. And this person not only said it was going to be impossible, but told him he was stupid to try and find it. And he was trying to find methods of getting, you know, exploiting the SMC and doing the same thing on newer firmwares or using a mod chip of some kind or just something to change the way the system loaded and whatever. And he wasn't having any success. And then he said his key point was then he looked into glitching. And when he thought of glitching, everything just suddenly opened up because it deals with restarting um, at the beginning when the system boots up, it goes through a few CPU speeds. And the key is in short, I'm over to simplifying it, but when it gets to the slowest CPU speed, Uh, you're sending a pulse from a chip to very specific points on the board, and it is supposed to reset the system. And when it resets it, the system kind of ends up crashing and restarting, and when it restarts, you're able to then bypass a lot of security checks. Interesting. Well, sounds like the perfect piece for the puzzle that was needed. Yeah, so that's why they talked about like glitching on the Switch, and people are predicting this might be a glitch chip, and that's why it was being asked if there's going to be a similar glitching method on the Xbox One, which I don't know. I don't know. Right. See, I think there's only one more question that was up a little bit farther, and I don't know, then no one else pops in. We might want to wrap things up. Yeah, no, I'd be down. Um, actually, we just got a question here. What do you think about Nintendo Lab Pro for homebrew retail? I think we just kind of went over that. I think it's a lot of homebrew potential, and, uh, you know... I, I really hope that people take this and run with it. And we see a lot of creative stuff coming out. But um, from the same person, just a little bit earlier, um, they'd asked in the future for switch modding, would you expect uh, Splatoon, Splatoon 2 mod menus uh, and off host menus and custom firmwares for the switch? I mean, custom firmwares 
we, we talked about that earlier. If you didn't uh, catch the podcast uh, when we started, definitely go re-listen to this when you can. Um, rewatch it however you choose to consume this because uh, we went into a, a decent bit of detail on it. Um, definitely going to be custom firmware. We've got mod ships on the way. As far as uh, mod menus and stuff like that goes, I don't know. I think it's still up in the air. I don't know if I haven't seen a whole lot of documentation on how much memory is available for the Switch. Um, I think that kind of like that's part of the reason why we don't see a lot of like multitasking going on with the Switch, right? It's doing one thing and doing it well. It's saving all that memory and resources for a game to push it as hard as it can. I don't think that'll be so, much of an issue. We're, we've seen mod menus on plenty of older systems. Yeah, who knows? I mean, I don't think either, either of us can say for sure if that's actually going to be a, uh, I think thing will, that, you know. I think, I think people will make it a thing because people kind of expect that after the seventh generation. Really? Is that just, yeah. I mean, it seems pretty common nowadays, but yeah, Nintendo is in its own little world, so I mean, we'll who knows? But I guess that's definitely more of like a thing for, I think, console games as yeah. opposed to portable. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I have this. Uh, I actually, I, I kind of want to air this out. Like, there's there's one last question. This will be the, the last one, but it's uh, from Mod Shop here, which is uh, Cody on the Xbox One. Quick thoughts. So, do you have any thoughts on this, Denver? Have you seen this release? I have not. I think Cody is a great thing. I think, like many things, it can be abused. But like, I think Cody the project itself is awesome, and the more uh, the more devices it can get on, I think that's you know even better. I'm assuming it's being installed through the same methods we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, well, no, it's uh, it's an official app, like official release, officially on Ooh. Xbox One, licensed, everything. Interesting. Does it support like all the add-ons and stuff like that? It is full Cody. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I think it's honestly even better. I mean, it's it's software like this and like many other pieces of software. It's like I think. It's up to the, you know, uh, responsibility of the user to use it for good. And I hope that it continues to be up and easily accessible because, you know, no sense in a few bad apples ruining the party for everyone. Mm-hmm. I think uh, with that as well, too. So I have, I have a few thoughts on it. First, I think it's just from from a historical standpoint, I find it to be just amazing. It just makes me smile because Cody was originally known as XBMC, otherwise known as Xbox uh, what X, no yeah xbox media center that's what it stood for yep. so it started on the original xbox started on the xbox one so to speak as a homebrew project and then it got ported to everything else and now it's come full circle as a actual fully licensed fleshed out application that you can legitimately obtain without modifications on the xbox one that just makes me smile uh when it comes to the practicality of it on Xbox One, this is exactly what it's aimed for. The Xbox One was created as a all-in-one multimedia streaming gaming device. So having Cody on there is great. And it's also just a great media player. Um, the misinformation, though, is I know I'm sure everyone on here listening and you know joining us in the live chat knows about pirated uh, Cody streams and what it can be used for, kind of like the bad stuff that Devin hinted. Uh, The misinformation has driven me nuts on it. I was actually listening to another podcast where they were saying on there, they were legitimately saying, no, we people need to stop hyping up Cody because Cody is illegal. And if people are hyping it up and saying all this stuff about it, it can get removed from the Xbox One. And it was just driving me nuts listening to it. And I'm just like, no, 
Cody is not illegal. Cody is a media player. It's been vetted. It's gone through the process. Mm -hmm. It's going to stay on Xbox One. Uh, even if people are, which I've seen people do this, they load on Xbox One, they load pirated streams on there. That's not going to stop it. Like they need to shut down the actual streaming sites. The media cert like the, the, right. the media service, the application, that's not going to get hit. Although they are trying to clean that up a little bit because even the developers have come out. They they load yes. those sites, they load those pirate streams because people synonymize it with Cody. And the developers of Cody are just like, no, we th this is not what it is. Yeah, I mean who's you know, it's hard to tell if they actually are strongly against those plugins, but for just good PR. They're, you know, it's kind of obligation. Like we can't support these. We have to do what we can to make these not, you know, available. We're, you know, this is not us. The separation because it has given them a really bad, uh, really bad press because people don't know the difference. Mm -hmm. um, it's good to see it on there. I really hope it stays. But I mean, it's just like an operating system itself. Like you can use your computer to do plenty of illegal things, but that's just because it's extensible. You can install new things on it. You can do with what. You can do whatever you want with it. That's really the same thing with Cody. Yeah. I think uh, one thing, though, is uh, from what I saw, there are several companies now that are actually threatening Cody themselves with legal action because they're so, so they're saying that Cody is not doing enough to stop these third-party like piracy add-ons. And again, I, I feel for Cody, but it's like, Cody, they're coming out and they're, they're trying to say, like, look, don't come after us. Go after these the, the third-party sites. They're coming out. You need to go after them. Like our add-on functionality, that's something that's just built in there. There's plenty of legitimate, plenty of fine, plenty of legal add-ons that you can put in here. It's up to the end user. And if you have an issue with the content that's being streamed, you need to go after the content providers, not the player. Uh, a friend of mine, even like when, when we had talked about it, I think we, I, I don't remember if it was you or if it was someone else. I think it was you, but like we talked about this with VLC player, for example, it's the same thing with that. Yeah. I don't remember if that was us, but yeah, no, totally. Um, I mean, it, yeah, it's really no different than VLC or again, an operating system. Like that, that's like, you know, pirating happens all the time on windows, on Mac, on Linux, but you don't see people going after Microsoft because people have like, you know, pirating and are using torrents and all kinds of stuff. No, they're not going after Microsoft. They're going after the people distributing the content. That's the right. way it should be. Right. It is what it is, but I agree yeah. with that. <laughs> it's a good sign, though. I think it, it, it's helpful for, helpful for Cody. You know, Microsoft could have taken a, the, uh, the stance of just being like, oh, no, it's gotten some bad press, so we're just gonna, not going to touch that for right now. Mm -hmm. so. well, ready to wrap up? I think so. It's been a long day. It's been a good mod chat, though. It has been an awesome mod chat. Yes, it has. Yeah, yeah I mean, just hours though. So I think it was that that that's about the a pretty solid mark as well too. I've noticed, yeah, definitely. We had some good content in the chat this time was pretty solid. I've seen saw people go in like constantly. Yeah, and even so, I mean, the viewership's been great on here. I think it capped out at like seventy three viewers, and like the the lowest I've seen it the, tonight has been like fifty three viewers. So thank you to everyone who's joined us live. Absolutely. People have been talking the whole time. It's it's great to see people in here and, you know, we encourage you to come back. And thanks for everyone coming in on a Tuesday. I don't know how bit habitual you people really are, but uh, as far as I know, you've been pretty consistent on Wednesdays for a long time. 
Yeah, yeah, I have. I, I had to change my schedule around, but like I even, I know Devin, I, I, I appreciated this. Uh, Devin did feel bad about it, and I just told him, I was just like, dude, we're, we're just going to do what we can. All right. <laughs> yeah, I even, like, it was a bummer because it was just like, literally, it was my sickness and then my negligence. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like, and it's been, man, it's been, uh, I mean, I don't want to say like a rough two weeks at work as if it was like really bad, but it's just been, it's been a lot going on, a lot, a lot of work, you know, my brain's been full. So, um, you know, regardless, glad that we did this, glad that we were able to knock it out this week and we didn't have to delay it any further. Absolutely. Yeah. Also some other announcements as well too. Uh, if you're ever wanting to chat with us, if you're on the, uh, if, if you're wanting to, you know, get, I guess get with more like-minded people, whatever it is, we try not to be an echo chamber. I mean, there's, there's combativeness and all that in there sometimes, but uh, I do have a discord server. So if you're watching this on YouTube uh, down below in the description, there is a link to my discord server uh, and also a bit of an announcement. If you enjoy this podcast, I'm going to be doing some that's just like different from this Devin. I don't know. I have told you about this, uh, but I haven't officially announced it on here. Uh, I'm going to be spinning up my own podcast that's either going to be solo or have guests on it, depending on the month. Um, So that's going to be coming out at the end of this month. Yeah, you just couldn't handle me stealing all your thunder. Well, actually, I was was (laughs) going to ask if you would want to be one of the guests on there one episode, maybe like the first guest. I'm just joking. But yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, I've been hearing you talk about it. You're excited about it. So I'm excited with you. I am. I am. I am. Yeah. No, it's one of those things. I know probably the viewership's not going to be crazy. It's not going to do like crazy numbers by any means, but it's one of those things where it's just for me, it's therapeutic. It's fun. I can literally just talk about whatever the hell I want to. Uh, And then when I have a guest on, which I haven't done a guest episode yet, uh, but whenever I have a guest on, we'll just be having a conversation and it will be offline. So even though I love the chat and everything on here, there's a whole different dynamic between doing online content and offline content. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm really excited for that. I can't wait to see it come out. And, you know, you guys might see me on there too. Yeah. Yeah. Is that going to be a a video podcast or is that going to be audio only? uh, It's going to be both. It's going to be released on YouTube and on Podbean at the same time. And I got approved for iTunes and Google Play. So it will be on everything. But yeah, at the end of the month, uh, January 31st, uh, come back if you want to uh, check out the podcast. I'll even ask you all, please check it out. Please try and support it. Like, I'm excited for this. I I want feedback on it as well, too. I don't know if you mentioned the name. I, I the name will be a surprise. Ooh, yes. I'm glad I didn't drop it then. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about announcing the name. I'm like, no, 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 just come back at the Ooh. end of the month. Ooh, I almost did. Oh man, <laughs> you give me forewarning on that kind of thing, man. <laughs> forewarning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, in a similar vein, um, let's see, I believe the last episode, someone kind of challenged me to make a YouTube video, or I don't know, it was kind of a collective, but a, a YouTube video every month. Yes, right. yeah, so how, how's that going, Devin? Like, we, for so, anybody who doesn't know, on the last episode, I challenged Devin, I said, try and make one video a month. See if you could do that for 2018. So I've thought about it. I kind of actually went back and forth, like, maybe not, maybe I shouldn't say anything. I just, I don't know, but I want to <laughs> do it. So I actually have plans. I want to talk to you. I want to get, uh, right now, I don't have that much equipment, but I think I want to get- You got a phone. A, um, you got a phone. That's, that's what I was going to say. You got, you got a I'm, Pixel too. I'm going to, I want to get a phone tripod. So I was just going to ask you a couple questions. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to, you know, grab that on Prime, be here in a couple days. My goal is to get the first video out before the end of January. Probably going to be short, probably going to be sweet. Maybe just an introduction, maybe just a, an idea, or maybe I'll pop out a quick introduction and 
you know, a quick video or something. Who knows? Um, but I think I'm going to try it because in a similar vein, like this is nice to get on here and talk, but I've, you know, modding is not my only passion. I've got a lot of ideas. I'm in a lot of different things and you guys seem fairly interested in me and what I have to say. So, uh, I mean, I might as well take advantage of this. So, yeah. And don't worry, Devin, I'll whore your channel out whether you want me to or not. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I talked about this on the last episode. I was like, you know, you have a perfect platform right now. So if you want to start doing your own content creation, you're already going to have some people that can check you out and go over. Yeah, no, and uh, people are great. I'd be happy to have all of you come over. <laughs> be awesome. Hey, before we get out of here, it looks like uh, someone else popped in with another donation. Yes, so to, to Connor, I believe Connor Moreno, thank you for the $2 donation. That is also much appreciated on here. Yeah, absolutely. We've got some sweet audience members today. Very, very generous. Thank you guys so much. Yes, thank you. Now, for that, I guess, Devin, uh, where can people find you online? All if right, so... Else you want to plug... Um, Typically, you can find me on, you know, Twitter at Paranoid Coder. One word, no underscores, nothing like that. Um, that's where I'm, you know, pretty accessible. Um, I also recently got into something which I don't think we've talked to you too much about, if at all, called Steemit. Have you heard of it? Uh, S-T-E-E-M? I-T. Yes, I, I, I've heard of it, at least. I know a bit about it. Yep. So I'm on Steemit. I'm posting. That's kind of more, uh, I wouldn't say long form, but a little more bloggy. Um, Twitter, you know, I'm not super active, but that could be just where I'm throwing out weird little ideas, you know, just a little chatting and stuff like that. Steemit is kind of where I'm actually like uh, posting about videos that I like and, you know, some commentary on it. Uh, I am kind of doing a little bit of blog posting kind of style. It's really interesting because it's kind of based around blockchain technology. I think that the messages might even, you know, your posts might actually be stored on the blockchain. You can, uh, uh, I, I'm not sure if mining is available right now or if all the coins were pre-mined, but you can earn crypto, this cryptocurrency steam by posting, by generating com uh, content. It's a decent little social network. So um, I'm kind of on there for that. I've actually been enjoying it. I've been chatting with a few people. So if you're on Steemit, uh, Paranoid Coder is my handle on there as well. Keep it simple. And if you haven't heard of it, I would definitely recommend checking out Steemit. You might make a few bucks. Devin, pet the dog, please. I've been petting the dog, yo. <laughs> Lily, you going to give me the cold shoulder now, huh? <laughs> she is. She, she's turned away from me. She looked over and turned back. Man. Oh, now she's back. As for this as well, too, of course, we're on uh, we're on YouTube, we're on uh, Google Play, iTunes, Podbean, uh, so pretty much any favorite podcast app you have, that's great. You know what, Devin, it was funny, there was one person who just found out, he's he's following me for a while, he just found out ModChat was a <laughs> no, podcast. I, I'm following him, too, so I saw the dialogue. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I thought he was joking, because I had a slight rant where I was like, guys, if in short, I said on Twitter, if you have a podcast, and the only place I could find it is in a long-form YouTube video, that's not a podcast, that's just a really long video of you talking, and he asked me if ModChat would ever be a podcast, I'm like, bruh, bruh it's, it was a <laughs> podcast since day one. <laughs> yep. And that's how I prefer to listen to it. I'm not much of a, a YouTube podcast watch listener. I much prefer to get my podcast app, pre-download the video or pre-download the audio and 
go from there. Oh, I'm, I'm the same way. I prefer to listen to the audio on a podcast, so I don't really like the video format. But because we primarily stream on YouTube and put it out here, this were the big bigger audiences. A lot of people want some type of video. So it's nice. If you want the video version, you want to see us talk about things and whatever, you can come to YouTube. But if you just want to listen, the MP3 is readily available. Real quick, how have you liked Pocket Casts? Awesome. Totally worth it. Yes. Yeah. See, I mean, it's it's... You know, if you're looking for something free, Google Play Music was fine. You know, it's great. It's but okay. Pocket Cast, it takes yeah. it a step further. Oh, yeah. No, Pocket Cast is awesome. And then because I, I didn't, like, I'm always hesitant with paying for apps. I was like, wait a minute. I have Google reward money. I could pay for this. Never mind. Yep, yep. Um, and I've actually seen them have, like, a, a number of outages with stuff, like, where their servers, like, the syncing gets messed up or something weird goes on. They are always immediately on Twitter. It's like, that is, like, my status check. Like, I can... I'm having a weird issue. I'm going to go look and they're there. And it has, it hardly ever happens, but the fact that they are like always on top of it, super preemptive and super responsive. Um, Great. And they're just a company themselves, like the company themselves. I'm actually like really interested in if a new podcast app came out, it would be hard to pull me away just because I've appreciated like how much they've uh, put into their product. Mm-hmm. So podcasts, we, that, that gets our recommendation. If you're looking for a good podcast, uh, podcast app on Android and is it on iOS? Yes. Okay, cool. Android and iOS. Yep. The interface is slightly different, but both were good. I uh, was using pocket cast daily with my like, a uh, couple weeks stint on an iPhone. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. So, highly recommended. Yeah. Anyways, this is Mr. Mario signing off. Thank you all for watching, everyone. Thank you all very much for the viewership, the support, and uh, let's continue strong into 2018. Absolutely, man. See you soon.